You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Own the Build podcast hosted by me, Paul Hemming. Hope everyone is doing well today. As always, if you can drop us a review, leave us a five-star rating, that would be awesome. Really great for algorithm on Apple, would be much appreciated. And also check into our new YouTube channel, Own The Build. Getting to the programme, today's programme is going to be an interesting one. It's a topic I know near nothing about and I'm looking forward to learning more myself personally. The title of today's show is Hydrogen Power in Construction Projects and we welcome to the show today Peter Sace who is Chief Product Officer at Bramble Energy, a startup developing hydrogen fuel cells, products and technologies. I'm already feeling over my head to be honest with you. How are you Peter? Really good and that's a great introduction so thank you. Yeah. Are you happy with that? That's decent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'm, I wouldn't say nervous, but I do feel very much out of my depth in terms of the content of today's conversation. But that is part of the joy of doing what I'm doing here is I just get to learn loads of interesting stuff from fascinating people about where the industry is going. Cool. Well, let's, let's see if I can help with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can, Peter. Yeah. So top of the show, let's talk about you what you're doing today and your career, really, how you came to be at Bramble Energy. Great. Well, so I've um, got a background in technology. So um, so we're talking about construction today. Construction is not my background. Um, I've been, yeah, a range of different sort of technology companies throughout my career. But there's something that has really attracted me to the whole sort of sustainability, sustainable technologies now, sort of really purpose-driven businesses. Um, and that's really what Bramble Energy is about. You know, we're, we're trying to... Uh, achieve net zero using hydrogen technologies and just that whole sort of mission really attracted me so there are a few things really there's that mission just cool tech really interesting technology massive potential you know we've been we've been hearing a lot about hydrogen for a long time now and uh yeah just really interested in joining it so so i joined bramble about um about 12 months ago and i've been here really to look at how we commercialize the technology um and and this is really where I've, i've started getting to know the construction sector and just seeing the massive potential of this technology in, in construction. And was Bramble Energy founded as a business to serve the construction industry or is it one of many streams of Bramble's commercial no. venture? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's one, of, one of several streams we're looking at. So the, the company was founded back in 2016 and it was, it was founded by a couple of um, professors who are really looking to disrupt the fuel cell industry. So like I said, people have been talking about hydrogen for quite a long time and there's been hydrogen fuel cell businesses for, around for a, for a little while. What we wanted to do, um, and I say we, I, I, joined, I joined after it was founded, but what we've been trying to do as a company is really look at how we can start really taking that to commercial applications really soon. So really start proving the value of this sort of technology and applications. But ultimately, we're, our core technology is a way of being able to make a fuel cell. And I'll tell you a little bit about fuel cells in a minute. It's about being able to make a fuel cell just using printed circuit boards. 
And this gives us some real inherent flexibility in where we can make them, the size and shape we can make them, and gives us some, some, some really good um, options for looking at different commercial paths. So, so with that core technology, we're looking at key markets and we've seen construction as being one of those areas that's, that, well, needs to transform and we see this as being a technology that can help them. Yeah, I think it was 38% of all carbon is from construction. Um, it was a crazy stat that was thrown my way uh, a few episodes ago. It's yeah. horrifying even to think about it. In term- so you construction is one of the yeah. channels yeah. that you are. What are the other ones? So we as a business, we're, we're developing small fuel cells and we're looking at construction as one of those markets we can start to, to, to bring small fuel cells into. We're looking at um, security sectors, we're looking into the utilities, we're looking at a number of areas for these. But then we're also developing some big fuel cells and, and where we're taking those, if you look at big transportation like big vehicles, big boats, Electrification is really difficult in big bits of uh, big bits of equipment. So hydrogen is being looked at as a way of being able to electrify large bits of uh, large bits of equipment. Um, so we're looking, as well as the little things, we're looking at how we can start taking fuel cell te- fuel cell technology into big vehicles and other sort of bigger high power applications that that the the operators they want to get to electrification, they want to go to to, to zero emission solutions. But batteries just can't do it. So looking at other solutions. So hydrogen's applicable there. And given that construction has such uses such a great amount of energy, how how do you feel about it? You you, you said I'm not a construction person. I'm a tech person, kind of, right? That's your background. You've come in. You're now operating at Bramble, trying to push this new technology into lots of different sectors. Do you view construction as like a massive opportunity? Like really needs it. So. Construction is, is definitely an environment that has all the massive challenges that means transformation is needed. So transformation is needed. Transformation is really difficult in that space as well. And you're right, a lot of the problem is just down to the sheer size of kit that goes in there. So, um, yeah, the, the challenge is enormous. But then that's also, you know, what, what, what we're here to do as a business, as Bramble, you know, we, we kind of want to get in. We want to be able to transform something. And if we look at the types of problems that are in that sector, this is a really interesting challenge for us. So, yeah, so we, we see it as a, as a really interesting opportunity just because of the sheer scale of the challenges there. And you're not a construction person. What's your, uh, you've been 12 months at Bramble, started to flirt with the construction industry now, Peter, yeah. on, on a regular basis, I guess. What yeah, do you make yeah. of us? Uh, so... I am. I have become. Be a bit nice of now. I can <laughs> see that's a big smirk on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I, I'm only smirking because I think people here at Bramble kind of see me as a bit of a cheerleader for the sector. Um, because oh, absolutely, we like no, that. I, I absolutely love it. I, so I've I've been I've been massively impressed with the type of transformation that people have been talking about. So we've been engaging with some pretty big organisations in the sector, and the willingness to change. The level of um, almost aggression in some of the timelines that are being pushed for it, I think that's it's really exciting. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been hugely impressed with the sector, and uh, yeah, really excited to be to be looking at how we can push our technology into it. And when you talk about the type of transformation and like aggression in, I guess, getting towards net zero, what have you seen specifically that has impressed you? When we when we start looking at net zero targets, so last year. With all the with all the COP uh, events that are happening, there's a lot of talk about trying to achieve net zero by 2050, 
Um, and so we've been talking to companies that, that are defining their strategy to achieve net zero by 2050. But then we've also been talking to a lot of companies who've got a much more aggressive strategy, um, trying to achieve net zero by, you know, sometime in the 2030s or even, even sooner than that. And you look at the scale of the operation that they're having, the scale of, of activity and the, like I say, the sheer magnitude of challenge that some of these organizations organizations are facing but then that desire to be able to change in such a quick time scale and i think that's what i mean about that kind of aggressive focus now that's that's what i found really exciting just so you've got massive organizations saying okay 2050 that's difficult but we're going to go faster and i think that's that's kind of what's really exciting about it well i love a champion of the construction industry peter you've cut, you, I, I, you, you've pleased me no end and i'm sure all of our listeners are smiling well, as well and I, thank you for calling me a champion not a cheerleader i think i'm going to adopt that myself as well <laughs> either either is fine yeah. by my book yeah. but yeah you're you're the champion of uh, construction so now we've talked about construction where i'm in my depth i'm now going to quickly go out of my depth so in in real layman's terms you you talked about hydrogen power and you talked about hydrogen fuel cells what is that first and foremost how does it work Okay, so a hydrogen fuel cell, the way, the way I see it is it's essentially like a generator. Okay, so you've got two things that go into a hydrogen fuel cell. So we have hydrogen gas going in, uh, and we'll talk about hydrogen gas in a minute, but you've got hydrogen gas and you've got just the regular air that goes into your fuel cell. So those two things go in. Within the generator, there's an electrochemical reaction that takes place, and you get three things coming out of it. You get electricity, you get a little bit of water, and you get some heat being generated. So it's a way of producing electricity, but there are no other particulates and no, no emissions that come out of it. So it's a super clean way of being able to make electricity just using hydrogen gas. Now, the, then the thing to think about, though, is where does your hydrogen gas come from? And this is, this is the other thing to, to think about. So you've got your generator. This is the fuel cell that, that creates the electricity. There are different colors of hydrogen gas. Um, okay, and so they go all the way from brown or black hydrogen, and it would, it's my duty as somebody who wants to achieve net zero to say don't use <laughs> don't use brown or black hydrogen. Um, so this is this hydrogen that's really it's sort of a byproduct of coal production or uh, something like Ooh. that. Exactly. Um, so so that's brown um, or black hydrogen. Then you'll have grey or blue hydrogen, and this is hydrogen that's being produced using essentially natural gas, but with some level of potentially with some level of carbon capture going on there. Um, and then you can get green hydrogen, which is hydrogen that's being produced from a renewable source. So where you've got some energy from a wind farm or from a solar field, what you're able to do is you're able to capture that energy, store it as hydrogen, and then you can use that energy when you want to use it. And that's so green hydrogen plus a fuel cell gives you the cleanest way really of making electricity. And do we have enough green hydrogen to do what we want to do? Today, no. Um, so there's a there's a huge amount of activity, and when you when you look at government strategy at the moment, there's a lot of a uh, lot of talk about really increasing the amount of green hydrogen production, and this is a really exciting thing happening at the moment. So there are some huge initiatives, and we're seeing some big industry people like you know organisations like BP, some of the big um, oil energy companies. They're really starting to talk about ramping up the production of green hydrogen, and this is where it's starting to get really exciting. 
So, yeah, we're starting to see the increase in production. And what we're trying to do at the moment is we're trying to really increase the number of different use cases who can then start to use that hydrogen as it becomes available. But in the short term, you know, we can start using grey hydrogen, start using blue hydrogen, just to really get people starting to use hydrogen. And it's, it's getting people onto that journey of starting to adopt hydrogen into their business, into their workflow. And then when the more green when more green hydrogen is available, then you can start to adopt that. Well, I guess you, you, you talked about use cases there, and this all sounds great in principle. I guess people listening will be thinking about how, A, how much, how do I do it? How, how can I bring it onto side? But I'm sure that is something that you guys are solving. But how is this relevant to construction? Where is it relevant to construction in terms of a site? So what, we, what we're looking at at the moment, we're starting with just small little small power output generators essentially and what we're trying to do because actually what we recognize we recognize that the sector is going through a transformational journey at the moment and just coming in with some massive system massive power output system and trying to adopt um, hydrogen straight away would be a would be a challenge for a lot of businesses so what we're doing is we're starting by introducing small generators and we can focus on some really almost niche applications of those generators. So the first things we're looking at are like, how can you power, say, environmental sensors on the site? So noise, dust, vibration monitors, you know, just being able to provide a, a nice, stable power supply for, for, for environmental sensors, or looking at, say, remote CCTV deployments, or those sorts of applications. So finding niche use cases that can really just start people understanding how um, hydrogen is used on the site and how they can handle it safely and all those sorts of things. So that's where we're starting. But where can it be used? Ultimately, this is it's just an alternative fuel. And what I would love to see is more of a strategy that says, you know, how can we kind of break that addiction almost with diesel? And how can we start moving diesel out and start using a different fuel? And um, hydrogen is a, is a zero emission alternative to diesel. And that's really where we want to be able to get to. That's a journey we've got to go on, but that's that's really where we start seeing it. So if you just think about it as just an alternative zero emission fuel, then then you can start to think about all the different use cases and applications in, in that space. And, and and effectively, we use fuel on sites. We use fuel to get all of our materials, etc., to site as well. And rather than going, what I'm understanding is rather than going for like the big knockout product initially, it's almost like a minimum viable product, like an MVP that you guys are bringing, like something to change the culture, to shift our mentality as an industry, like almost step by step in a slower process rather than bang, which which actually makes sense to me. As a, like at our company, when we're producing products, it's always minimum viable products and then iterate and improve and improve. So I completely understand that. How does it come to site hydrogen fuel cell versus what we'd, we'd be used to as a, a usual generator, for instance? Yeah, so the, the, the fuel cell itself is packaged as a generator. So we're making that as a little product that you can just deploy on a site. Uh, and so, yeah, the fuel cell, this is so one, one of the key things, and this is, I think this is a, a massively important point when you start looking at adopting new technology. What we've got to make sure you have is you've got to make sure something is deployed in a way that means it's as usable, if not more usable, than what's there today. Because I think you'll, you'll know this, whenever you're looking at applying, adopting some new technology, if it's annoying to use, people don't use it. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, they you... usually say, don't they, like you want to have, a, it's, to change, you want a better and cheaper alternative. Almost, It's kind of like the thing that you kind of pulls you to change from something that you think works 
to obviously with hydrogen um, you have the added bonus of you know it's helps you get to uh, to reduce your carbon is it that's what you're trying to say you're trying to create that better alternative so it's it's better than having a generator on site what we need to have first of all people are increasingly needing to make changes to achieve then at zero targets. So the whole sustainability driver is a massively important point. So, so that's, that's a key driver. But then what we want is we want to make sure there's a use case that delivers some level of operational improvement over what's there. So if, say, we look at environmental sensors on a site, say, I think one of the things we hear is that just the need to change batteries frequently means people start to get patchy data. Uh, and then that, you know, then it's, it's, it kind of defeats the point of having something in the first place. So what we need to make sure we have is something that the process of being able to swap fuel and whatever is a more efficient process than switching batteries over. You don't need to do it as frequently as an easier thing to do. So that's when I say we've got to think about that whole use case. We've got to make sure that whole operational bit that sits around the fuel cell is as efficient. So, so the way that works today, fuel cell is like a small, it's just like a like a little generator and then the hydrogen itself is delivered in it's a cylinder uh, essentially of, of, of compressed hydrogen essentially like if you think about like a propane cylinder that you have when you're having your barbecue something like that it's one of these types of cylinders nice high pressure cylinder and it's got a good volume of, of, of hydrogen in it which gives you a nice long-term power supply um, and that's that's essentially how the system is it's a case of hydrogen cylinder plus fuel cell means you can get electricity it completely resonates with me as well. So rather than hydrogen being, you know, oh, I don't know if we can use hydrogen. It's a big scary thing to shift away from what we're used to. We're all under pressure on this site. Now we'll wait till the next one. It's choosing that simple or that smaller bite size use case, proving how much better it is, so that then it's it's like just seeping into the psyche, isn't it? Exactly. You know, right. yeah. Actually, this is why aren't we doing this? It worked really well for that application now it can work really well for this application i'm starting to understand a little bit better what you're doing peter and that smile on your face is uh is a joy let's talk a bit more about this but right after the break hello it's me again i wanted to share a quick story with you on why i co-founded ceiling with my best mate chris chris and i we're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering, and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming, and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link, it's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you, or someone you know, tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. So, Peter, before we go into the next part of the show, I want to know why you love hydrogen so much. What is it that drew you to this job? 
What is it that drew you to this form of energy? Well, maybe it was partly during lockdown. I just kind of realised that I wanted to do something more about sustainability and sustainable technologies. And I think it was just that kind of spending a little bit more time in amongst nature, kind of thinking a little bit more about, sorry, I'm getting, this is me in full hippie mode at the moment. So, yeah, do uh, it, go for it. Yeah, so, and kind of kind of just thinking more about environment, thinking about family, thinking more about like my individual purpose in amongst all that. And that's, it was really those things that made me think, you know, I really wanted to get more into something that was focused really on sustainability. So there was that. And then I saw, I saw what was happening at Bramble the, the whole thing just really excited me, just about the potential of the technology, kind of the, the short-term ability to try and actually commercialise something. You know, like, like I said earlier, there's been lots of talk about big things to do with hydrogen, lots of people having like big grand ambitions, but there's, there's something about the, the ability to almost make things happen today with the technology that really attracted me to it as well. And then there's, with my like commercial hat on, um, there's just something as well about kind of the core flexibility like the inherent flexibility of being able to make things just using printed circuit boards you know being able to make things of lots of different sizes and shapes and be able to almost commercialize anywhere in the world those sorts of things ultimately all kind of joined up so uh it was it was a bit of a sort of a stars aligning moment for me with really lockdown lockdown number one was a good way for you to get some headspace was it and, and realign kind of made you realize what was important to you i think and yeah, trying to trying to do something that just had that genuine, authentic purpose was was really important to me. And um, yeah, just just like I say, there's, there's something about about this 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 company, something about the technology that we're making. And you know, the the other thing is with my kind of my my tech tech hat on as well. It's just something cool about this sort of stage business as well. You know, it's, it's still an early stage business. Um, it's got that fantastic energy. It's almost, you know, thinking big isn't a problem at all. It's got like massively grand ambitions and all those sorts of things. Again, just with, so there's the purpose bits, fantastic. And then with my tech hat on, just love all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah, um, it's a cool, cool time to be involved in a business, isn't it? When you're kind of sky is the limit to some degree, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's one thing that I, c- I can definitely say about, about this business. There's a complete, there's sorry. There's no limit to ambition at all. You know, it's got some really grand aims, and and I think this is why. When again, when we start looking at say construction, sort of just just you know what we what we're trying to achieve there with sort of big transformational things, like we can start thinking about what does it take to really transform the sector because ultimately that's the sort of goal we should be trying to aim at. Shouldn't be trying to be just trying to do something little with a little use case. Should be thinking about that bigger aim of how can we really make that impact. Hundred percent, so, and we and we have to, don't we? Given all of the obligations that we do have, we do indeed. I'm interested to understand. So construction, it sounds like we're at the beginning of the curve in terms of creating technology for different use cases, different applications, and then actually using it, proving that it can work really well. Are there other sectors where you have use cases or hydrogen has real use cases where you can you, you see we've got to bring that over to construction and they will benefit massively? Yeah, sure. So one, one of the key areas that hydrogen is being adopted at the moment is when you start looking at big vehicles. Um, especially big vehicles that have high levels of utilization. So the, the challenge, if you just go straight to, say, batteries, you just need a massive, massive batteries. You need to take a long time to recharge those batteries if you've got a big vehicle, say. So if you're looking at, say, a passenger bus, then to be able to electrify a passenger bus using batteries alone 
is really difficult because then you, you just can't get the same utilization out of that asset as you as you would if you're just using more traditional fuels. So one thing we are seeing uh, increasingly now is increasing rollout of hydrogen bus fleets, for instance, because then you can achieve that zero emission operation. You can have a similar operational model to a traditional fuel. Um, so yeah, we're starting to see increased uptake of big vehicles using hydrogen uh, as, a, as, a, as a power supply. How long could a battery last on a big, on a bus, a big double-decker bus in London, let's say? You'll, you'll, be able to, you, you'll be able to get, I'm sure you can put a massive old battery pack in there and get, um, get a similar sort of operating performance as you could out of, out of something traditional. The challenge is then needing to then stop, recharge that, have the infrastructure. So if you've got, say, a fleet of buses, to say, okay, so I can get them all, char- all running today, I can do my stops today, I'm going to charge all my buses tonight. That's, you're, going, you're, going to need a, you're going to need a big, a big cable to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the, there's the infrastructure challenge, exactly. And this is where, so what hydrogen does, it gives you that ability to get to that zero emission um, power supply, that zero emission powertrain in your, in your vessel, in your vehicle, but then you can, um, you, can, uh, you can just recharge it, you can refuel it as, as you would a normal fuel. The other thing we are looking at, though, and what, what, I, what I would say, I think there's something really important about looking at batteries and hydrogen together. And I think this is, this is one of the things we are looking at as well. Um, and this is the whole concept of using a hydrogen fuel cell as a range extender in a battery electric vehicle. So one, one of the things we've, we've been demonstrating uh, is you can get, say, just a regular battery electric vehicle. You can then apply a fuel cell in it, have a hydrogen cylinder with a fuel cell, and you can use that fuel cell just as a trickle charger to the batteries in that, in that vehicle. And what that does, it just means where you might be range limited, then you can just add quite a lot more miles essentially to that vehicle just by having that, that fuel cell just provided that constant charge back into the batteries. That actually makes a lot of sense as well, given that a lot of the concerns that are flagged around these alternative fuels is range, but then also infrastructure to be able to support recharging or whatever else, right? But if you're actually using two, that to some degree acts as a bridge until we have the infrastructure or improved infrastructure. So that actually makes perfect sense. Exactly right. And I think, the, I think the other area that gets really interesting is where you have that additional sort of additional thing you need to do in that vehicle, be it having some additional power supply to be able to charge power tools or be able to have some additional power supply to power the all-important kettle in the back of the vehicle. You know, rather than having a separate battery pack to be able to, because that's essentially, if you think about a battery electric vehicle, you're going to have to have more batteries to be able to provide that additional service. So to be able to look at, okay, let's have that secondary source both to provide that charge back into the batteries but also to give that second function you know refrigeration whatever that is you know that's i think that's where it gets gets super interesting as well yeah no i could that 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 resonates i can understand that and i wanted to talk to you now about research that you shared with me um that you guys have done related specifically to the construction industry so you did some research with research without barriers didn't you could you describe kind of First, what your objectives were when you set out to do this research? Yeah, so I think we 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 looked at the the construction sector, and so I think I'll, I'll just reiterate some stats. And you, so you've already you've already quoted one of them, which is which is a really important one. But you know, so it's a massively important sector for GDP in the country. So I think it contributes like six percent of GDP, like one hundred and seventeen billion. So really important. Employs a load of people, something like two point four million people employed in the sector. But so massively important sector, first thing, but there's that 
38% carbon number that you've that, you, that you've highlighted as scary, well. Scary, isn't it, that? Hugely scary number. Um, so what we wanted to do, we, we were kind of looking at that. We're also saying, right, we think this is a really important sector for, for adopting hydrogen technology. The cheerleader was well and truly out there, you know. I was so there, come flag, on. Flags flying, exactly. <laughs> and um, and we, we just wanted to really understand just how ready the sector was, both for starting to take that 38% number down. You know, we've, the, gov- the government's been setting a target of trying to achieve net zero by 2050. Um, so 38% on a massive industry, coming from a massive industry, to take that down to zero by 2050 even, is quite a big challenge. So we wanted to just get some real understanding from the sector about how ready it was to achieve that. Oh, I'm getting worried now. How ready are we? Well... So, so we, we, we reached out to you, and this is this is this is I found I found this really interesting. So we reached out to um, nearly six hundred sort of key leaders, key decision makers across the sector, um, and we just asked a number of questions. So we didn't ask loads of questions, just some really focused questions. And I, f- I found this really interesting because what I'd been doing leading up to that, I'd been getting out and talking to a lot of like the really big organisations, big and mid-sized organisations, just understanding how ready those were. So I was starting thinking kind of everyone's super ready for this. But what we found was that 43% of all the people we reached out to, so nearly 50% of people, just weren't confident of being able to achieve net zero by 2050, which I find quite a scary number to start off with. And I find that scary in two, for two reasons, really. So firstly, like, like I said, I've been talking to organisations who are being really aggressive about this and driving some really strong things. So I, I, I kind of struggle to rationalise that actually, despite all that, still half people just aren't confident of being able to do that. And then the next bit was like the by 2050 point. I know, Cause I, yeah. Because <laughs> it can't, you know, you can think, right, 2050 is, is 28 years' time that we need to be able to do that. And then uh, they keep No thinking, confidence. No, no. <laughs> I just can't see us doing that. I know, but then think back like 28 years ago, it was like 94. I was kind of thinking, you know, what was happening in 94 and what's happened since then? And we just look at, I think I, I was trying to remember what sort of, so I, I wasn't driving at the time. I wasn't quite old enough to drive then. Just I don't, <laughs> age my, don't age myself too much. But you kind of think about like the car that you had then and think about what's happened since then. And, you know, to think that even in the last sort of five, five years, say, we've started talking about, you know, electrification, like so many electric cars around, the infrastructure's massively increased in size. Autonomy people are talking about, we're talking about different ownership models of electric vehicle, of, of vehicles in general. All that's happened in a sector in the last, like, in a, in a very short period of time. A handful of years. Yeah. In a handful of years, exactly. And yet we're still saying in 28 years time into the future, we, like, half people aren't really confident of being able to achieve this. And so I've, I found that really scary in its, in its. Yeah. In I mean, we talked about, I can't remember who I was talking to now, but we talked about, not so long ago, right, as a, as a quantity surveyor, which is what I am, you know, 28 years ago, you'd probably be doing a lot of measuring in quantities using a calculator and pencil and yeah. a ruler. Yeah. Like, I, I studied at university at the start of my career for uh, three or four years, and it was all about, you know, hand taking off drawings, etc., etc. So it's not that far in the past <laughs> that, like, even oh. something like Excel was like a dramatic, wild shift. So, in five years, things will change. In 10 years, things will change. So I agree. No, exactly. I was explaining to somebody the other day about using an overhead projector. I don't know if you ever <laughs> used those. And, and that was, you know, that was when I was, that, that was when I was at uni and that, was, that wasn't even 28 years ago. So, well, no, yeah. funnily enough, we had a, there was a very funny story, which I won't share 
but there was a, one of our um, professors was still using an overhead projector in 2010 or something like that, and awesome. it was baffling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's impressive. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so it was, it was really those things, and yeah, just a lack of readiness in the sector. So that that was one big, um, one big problem. And then of of the people we we talked to again, sixty four percent just didn't even think that target was realistic. So yeah, some some pretty scary sort of statistics um, came out of our research. But it's it's abstract though, I guess, is the problem, isn't it? Like if you ask someone the question, do you think it's realistic, and they don't really understand how they would get there they probably yeah. think oh it's completely unrealistic or no. probably not do you see what no. i mean so totally you're, you're absolutely right yeah and i think that was that was again one of the bits of feedback we got i think um near, so it was around four-fifths of people we spoke to again just thought government just wasn't being clear in what that actually meant for the sector and i can completely understand that though yeah no exactly right so um this was a type of feedback we we're getting just and it's it was alarming just for all those factors that it's such a big thing, such an important target. But one of, the, one of the reasons we wanted to then start talking about this is that clearly there's a huge amount of education that needs to happen around actually what does what do some of these targets mean? How can an organisation really start make, making some changes, taking steps to achieve that? And uh, yeah, and, and, and then at least we can start, start making inroads into it. And it represents a pretty good opportunity, I would imagine, for a company like Bramble Energy to come in and, you know, it's a big space to take a uh, chunk out of change of mentality, deliver products that are actually going to shift yeah. how people. No, exactly. Work. You know, and so I think one of the one of the key things to take from this is they're massive targets, and it's it's a big thing that needs to change, but it's not like we need to change everything today. So you know, there's a there's a need to be able to, I think it was projected that if we could change 6% year on year, then that will actually get us to net zero by 2050. And all of a sudden, you know, if we start thinking about, okay, so what can we do to start achieving that? It can make it much more tangible. And I think that's that's the whole thing. I think, you know, when, whenever you start looking at some really big, scary transformation type thing, the thing you've got to do, first of all, you've got to recognize it, you've got to understand it, and then you've just got to start making it more ultimately bite-sized, put it in more manageable steps. So you can actually start seeing change, you can start measuring change. And yes, of course, I think when we then start saying, let's make it, let's look at more of that sort of 6% year on year. And you know, there are some, there are some massive things. Cause, so we're talking about hydrogen and we're talking about looking at zero emission fuels and those sorts of things. Clearly there are some, some other huge contributors to that, to that 38%. If, say we look at the process for generating steel, the process for generating concrete. concrete exactly. You've got all these yeah. things that actually are massive, massive factors. And there's some fantastic innovation happening around, you know, zero carbon steel and zero carbon um, concrete as well. Some really exciting innovation happening there. So I think one one of the key messages is, you know, there's a massive change that needs to happen, but there's also some hugely exciting innovation happening that's going to be able to make that happen more quickly. That can take some big chunks out yeah. of it. You talk about Key, key message, there will be people listening who are business owners or senior managers at main contractors, subcontractors, property developers. If you had, in the context of hydrogen power, if you had one bit of advice for them today, what would you say to them? Um, I'd, say, I'd say don't wait, actually. Um, I, think there's, I think there's a view that we look at... I, big production of green hydrogen, say, and we say, right, 
that's going to be, it's going to take years before that's available. Actually, we can get green hydrogen today. And actually, we can deliver hydrogen in a, in a good way to some of these applications today. And there are some organizations doing that today. So I think the thing I would say is, there's, I, th- I think there's a, there's been a bit of a myth about this being like this sort of mythical sort of fuel that's, that's a long way out. And actually, there's some stuff that we can start doing today. Here and now. So I think my, my, exactly, I'd say let's start looking at things in, let's start looking at things now, basically. Excellent. I, I feel like I had about 10 questions, none of them that I asked you, to, to be honest with you. It's been a great conversation, given I know nothing about hydrogen power until we had this conversation. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked that I haven't asked? You know, I, 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 think, I think what it really comes back to is just let's, let's look at some of those manageable things. Let's look at, you know, how can we get help as businesses to, to start adopting hydrogen? Where is that help today? And I think, so one thing I would say, and this is another thing that came out of our, out of our study, you know, we, we found that a lot of people either aren't aware or they're not making use of some of the government funding that's available to support some of this. And so the thing I would say, last year, the government made, it was about a billion pounds available for organisations to help adopt low carbon technology. And of that, there's 400 million pounds that was allocated for taking hydrogen or for starting to adopt hydrogen. So this funding is available. There's some grants available and those grants looking at things like how can organizations start to adopt low carbon technology, improve energy efficiency, look at reskilling some of their people as well to be able to use some of this. Um, so there's some grant funding available to help with this journey. So I think if, if you ask me that question, then I'd say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, he smashed it out no. the park, hasn't he? It's, it's looking awfully smug. Yeah. <laughs> and then the only thing I would add is the place to go as well. So if, if, if people did want to go and have a little look at what sort of funding there is available, especially around adopting some low carbon technologies, there's the um, Department for Business, Energy, Industrial Studies, BASE. There's also UK Research and Innovation, UKRI. Both those organisations, BASE and UKRI, got some really great websites. Worth having a look at those and just seeing what funding is available to help with this. That's one thing. And the second thing is also just go to trade bodies and things and they'll be able to give some good advice on this as well. Absolutely brilliant, Peter. You know, so this is something that is going to be good for our industry, full stop. Um, it's going to help us get to where we need to get to. And in fact, you can actually get a grant and get some funding from the government potentially to support you in doing it. Don't hesitate in doing it. Peter, you're an absolute star, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really great to have you here. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. No, thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, Peter. And guys, one last request from me you know to leave a review it'll make me happy it'll make me smile if you could do that i'd be very grateful and i will speak to you next week thank you very much 